Well, good evening, everyone. Good to be back with you precious uh, folks here tonight. And I, what I thought I would do um, tonight and um, Sunday, and perhaps next Wednesday, is talk about the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, what the Lord has laid on my heart is how are we to prepare for the judgment seat of Christ? The scriptures remind us that each and every one of us will, will give account for our lives. There are several judgments in the scriptures. We're going to be at one of them. We might be a spectator at another one or two. I'm not sure of that. There's the great white throne judgment found in Revelation chapter 20. I thank God that I settled out of court, that I'm not going to, I am not going to be there in terms of, I will not be at that judgment unless I'm there and you're there as a spectator. But there, there is a judgment coming. Now, I think it's important to understand that that judgment is a judgment of reward or loss of reward. Our sin will not be brought up there. And the reason for that is because when the Lord Jesus said it is finished, He meant it. As far as the east is from the west, I will remember thy sin no more. We need to be encouraged by that because I think oftentimes we put an earthly perspective on judgment and uh, we we forget what the scriptures have to say about judgment that particular judgment and yet it is a, a sober thought isn't it that the work that we have done for the Lord Jesus will be examined and um, I want to encourage you tonight about this judgment that's coming so that we don't go there with fear but rather anticipation and um, there's a lot of references that we could use uh, and uh, we'll look at some of them but tonight I thought that I would um, start this particular little mini-series with a couple of uh, things that I think would be helpful in terms of preparation. You know, this is the time of the year, right? I mean, in a couple of days we're going to be um, celebrating New Year. And um, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to have New Year's resolutions. Uh, I know one thing, the gyms are full in January and empty in February is people don't keep their resolutions. But I think it's not a bad thing in a spiritual sense that you and I uh, prepare uh, for a new year. And what a better way to prepare than for the return, possibly, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And... Um, 
tonight, I, like I said, I just want to prepare our hearts. And hopefully the Lord will encourage you with a couple of thoughts that He has given me uh, concerning uh, the judgment seat of Christ. Now, let's look at a, a, a verse or two here first in uh, found in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. Speaking of um, the judgment seat of Christ, We'll start reading uh, in verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The first thing that I think is um, overarching principle in terms of getting ready for the judgment seat of Christ is that of faithfulness. Faithfulness. You know, as we read of the accounts, and I think it's very helpful too, isn't it, to read of accounts from missionary accounts and whatever. I, I don't know. I, when I when I read them, oftentimes um, it's not an enormous work that's taking place. And our brother mentioned, you know, in his travels that you know little pockets and sometimes very frustrating. And you know, in my study of Scripture, I am convinced. That God is not so interested in success as He is in our faithfulness. Because when you think of one of the principal characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is that He is faithful. Faithful. And for you and I to be prepared to meet Him the overarching characteristic that we need to have is that of faithfulness. Faithfulness. You know, when He, the Lord Jesus, several times in, uh, in, in, in His parables, would end the parable after uh, a work was done by saying, Well done, my good, and faithful servant. So God is not looking so much at success in our lives because I think that all of us understand that we certainly come short. We fall short. 
I don't know about you, but um, when I analyze my life as a Christian, there are so many times I was confessing to the Lord today even how often um, I have failed Him in terms of either witnessing for Him when I should have or done something for another brother or sister in Christ and I didn't do it. You know, when I look at that and I look at my life and by and large I say, you know what? I haven't been that successful in my Christian life. Certainly nothing uh, I can boast about. Except, as the Apostle Paul said, in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, to which the world was crucified to me and I to the world. Friend, if I could encourage you tonight, and I know I'm speaking to the choir. Here we are on Wednesday night. I, I, in my almost 30 years of being a Christian, you can, there's nothing like being able to count on brothers and sisters in Christ who are faithful. Who are faithful. And by the way, I'm convinced from my study of the Scripture that unless you're faithful to the local church, you're not faithful to God. Because this is God's design for us, isn't it? It's God's protection for us. Uh, it, it, there's no such thing in, in the Scriptures as a lone ranger. We're to be involved with one another, encouraging one another, even more so as we see the day approaching. And we, we have, I think, little idea how important what we're doing here even tonight, coming together as brothers and sisters, this pleases Christ. I'm convinced of that. Faithfulness. When you think, I'll give you a name. When you think of this name, what do you think of? Demas. What do you think of? Now here was a guy, I don't know uh, all that much about him, but I can tell you that it seems from reading Scripture that Demas, as compared to many of us perhaps in this room, was a very successful Christian for a long time who gave up much of his life to serve Christ and to travel with the Apostle Paul and involved with the work of that particular Apostle. But when you think of the name Demas, what comes to your mind? Let's be honest about it. Is what we read about in 2 Timothy where Demas has forsook me from the world. He lost his faithfulness, didn't he? The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, said this. You know what he said? I fought the fight. I finished the race. You know what? And then he said, there's a crown waiting for him. The reward ceremony for the Apostle Paul. You know, Paul was so, when you, when you read uh, especially uh, 2 Timothy, you, and, and you realize that Paul 
was um, terrified that he would become a shipwreck. He said that, I, therefore, I beat my body. I disciplined my body like, a, like, a, like an athlete would discipline his body. Bring it under subjection, he said. Why? Because I, the last thing I want to be is the castaway. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God wants us to be faithful. Faithful. And I thank God as I look upon you that thus far you've been faithful. There's a reward coming for that, folks. There's a reward for that. And oh, how Satan would love to trip us up, to discourage us, to get us to walk away from the things of the Lord. The Bible here tells us, we just read it, it doesn't matter if we could, we could walk away. Christ is faithful. He'll never walk away from us. Amen? Never walk away from us. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But it's possible we could leave Him. It's possible that we could leave Him. God wants our faithfulness. It's the overarching principle in terms. Do you do you, do you want to? Be, you know, are we looking to 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 the appearing of Jesus Christ? Do you want that crown of righteousness found in Second Timothy and chapter four? The crown of righteousness is given to those who love His appearing. How do we love His appearing? Faithfulness to Him. And folks, it's very practical. Because when the doors are open here, we ought to be here. We ought to be here. That's faithfulness. You know, I thank God when I first got saved, I had brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's the way it should be, isn't it? Brothers and sisters in Christ. I remember a little wee assembly, folks walking into there, um, you know, at 30 years of age, and uh, a few days old in the Lord. But I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters in the Lord took me under their wing, had prayed for me for many years before uh, even getting saved. I was like that tough old Russian. I was worse than that. A reprobate. They had prayed for me. Many were my patients. When I came into that little assembly, I, I recognized people. I said, oh man, that's my patient. <laughs> they had been praying for me. I wept as I thought of their faithfulness to pray for me. But it wasn't only that. It was afterward. It was watching their faithfulness and seeing what it was like. The Apostle Paul said, what? Imitate me. Isn't that what he said? And you know what? You have no idea, Christian, how important your presence is here, even tonight, but on Sundays and other other meetings. Why? Because it's 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 a habit, isn't it? And other people see that, you know. Uh, I'm sure there are times when you don't feel like coming. You could have better things to do. Faithfulness. There's a reward of coming for that. You know that? 
I love that. God wants me to be faithful. So that's the overarching principle. A couple of other things. At least for tonight. God wants us to be faithful. And God wants us to be thankful. Thankful. I am convinced by reading especially the New Testament that a very important factor for us as Christians as we prepare to meet Jesus Christ is an attitude of thankfulness. Thankfulness. The Israelites, I think they had ADD while they were out in the wilderness. Um, the Israelites were uh, noted for what? Murmuring. Ungrateful. This hurts the heart of God, I'm convinced. You know what, Christian? You know what we need to do? We need to count our blessings and name them one by one and count our many blessings and see what God has done. And isn't it true that each and every one of us here tonight, each and every one of us tonight, ought to have an attitude of thankfulness. I think it grieves Christ when we're not content with our uh, state in life. I think it grieves His heart. And I don't know about you, but so often I forget to thank Christ. And I should thank Him far more than I do. An attitude of thankfulness. What did the Apostle Paul says? You know, with thanks, with, uh, you know, as he talked about prayer, and that's a great thing, right? Uh, make your requests known unto God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But before that, he said, with what? Prayer and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You read the Apostle Paul's prayers through the letters of Ephesians and Philippians, Colossians. What does he emphasize there? Thankful. We need to have an attitude of having a thankful heart. You know, I remember my son <laughs> phoning home uh, in his first year at university. It's always a tough year, you know. I, I remembered uh, even my first year going away from home being in a strange city and, uh, you know, being very, very lonely. And, uh, you know, I remember my son calling home one time in the middle of his first year. He was quite discouraged and um, complaining, <laughs> you know, wah, 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 like uh, with just about everything, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to him because I was, I was a very sympathetic high priest at that particular time. I'd been to university. I knew what it was like. But you know, at the end of it, I said, you know what, Tony, let me, let me share something with you. He said, think about the situation that you're in. The fact that uh, you got parents that love you, that you're saved, 
that God loves you. You're never alone. You know, you're you've got this, you've got that. You're in a, you know, you've got your health. You got. I said, don't you have a lot of things to be thankful for? And you know, I remember a couple of weeks later, he came to me and said that uh, he thanked me for the end of that conversation that we had on the phone. That he needed to be reminded that even though he was lonely and he was just depressed and whatever, there was so much to be thankful for. God will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. When we think of what Jesus Christ has done for us, when we think of where the world is at, when we think where we're at, saved, that no eye is seen, nor ears heard, nor has entered into the heart of man that which God has prepared for those who love Him. When we start thinking about those things, and you know, you look out in the world and you go, man, I'll tell you, I mean this. I wouldn't trade places with those people. I really wouldn't. Because they don't have what I have. And they don't have what you have. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. So let's be faithful. And let's be thankful. And thirdly, let us, as we prepare for the judgment seat of Christ, let us practice the presence of Christ. Thirdly tonight, let us practice the presence of Christ. You know, when you think of Moses, the scriptures tell us that God spake to Moses as a man speaketh to a friend. You know what? As we prepare for the judgment seat of Christ, wouldn't it be nice to think, and this is the scriptures say that about us, but I think oftentimes we do not uh, experience this the way we ought to. At least I don't. And you know what that is? Christ wants to be our friend. Wants to be our friend. And I don't know how many times during the day, and I know you get like this, I'm sure, you get busy. And, you know, this mind that we have gets uh, often times sidetracked, isn't it? We need to practice the presence of Jesus Christ. It'll prepare us for the judgment seat of Christ. It will keep us keeping short accounts with Him. We need to be a friend. You know... Um, my best friend is my wife. I think that's the way it should be. But you know what? A lot of times we don't talk about the things that are all that necessarily important, really. You know? We talk about a lot of things. But it's not always life and death situations. You know, we often have Jesus as our 911. You know, we call Him when we need Him. Right? Uh, and you know what? I, I, I get like that sometimes, you know? Oh, my prayers can be pretty great when I'm in trouble. But I think what Christ wants and will prepare us for judgment, uh, this reward ceremony, is we, we develop this friendship with Him. I, I, I laugh at because... Uh, now, for you young people that are here tonight, you know, you, you'll find this strange. But uh, for us older folks... Uh, it's something I think you'll identify with. 
When my daughter, my oldest daughter, went to university, 1993, I gave her a cell phone. Now, I want to tell you it was about this big in those days. <laughs> um, but, and very costly. But, she was a girl. She was in a foreign city in Canada, many miles away from where we lived. And uh, I said, you know what, you, I, I, you know, I want you to have a cell phone. Now, I meant it for emergencies. She meant it for dad. Uh, I'm on this corner and this corner. Uh, should I turn right or left? Yes! This is costing me a fortune. I don't even know where you are. How, how am I going to tell you whether to go right or left? Uh, and she would phone me every two minutes on that phone. And you know what? I look back at it and I go, well, you know what? And I am an earthly father and I love my daughter dearly. And I sort of chuckled even though I had to pay that bill. And I tried to encourage her not to phone me quite as often as she was doing. But you know what? We don't have a heavenly father like that, do we? You know what? The Lord Jesus wants us to communicate with Him about everything. Um, you know, there's some great things that can be done uh, with the Lord Jesus in terms of uh, reminiscing with Him in preparing a meal, in cleaning, in doing any task. Because, you know, you can do one thing, right? And talk to uh, to the Lord at the same time. Now, you've done it. I've done it. Why don't we practice that more often? And maybe you have that relationship with the Lord. I, I'm reminded here today, and I'm saying, you know what, Tony? You're not as close to the Lord as you ought to be. I'll tell you what, folks. If we practice the presence of Jesus Christ... You know what's going to happen? The judgment seat of Christ will not be anything that we will fear because we will have uh, settled everything. You know, when you have a friend, things happen sometimes, right? But you get it right. You restore that friendship. We need to practice that. We need to practice that. I... I have a friend of mine in Montreal who used to be the uh, the chaplain of the Montreal Expos uh, baseball team. And uh, we're very good friends. And um, I would go to Montreal and minister to baseball teams several times a year. And uh, I often was with him. And I, and I you know what, I, I you knew that Robert had a special relationship with Jesus Christ. Because... Uh, it would come out. We'd be driving, and uh, he'd be talking to me, and then he said, Lord, I need a parking space. You know, downtown Montreal. I need a parking And he just verbalized it. And I said, well, Robert, you know, and then, of course, see? He says, see what the Lord just did? Guy move out. He got, see? See? Thank you, Jesus. You know, and he would just, he said, well, Tony, I do that all the time. I talk to him about everything. Parking spaces? What should I have? What should I eat? You think Jesus is interested in that? I think He is. What a friend we have in Jesus. 
It's true, isn't it? But if we haven't developed that relationship, you might see Jesus as someone who just wants to discipline you. You might see Jesus as just someone who is disappointed in you. We need to practice the presence of Christ. And I think it's a good thing. I'm not saying that we treat Him, you know, like maybe we treat some of our friends. You know, I don't want to be glib about it. But listen, the Bible tells us that we are children of the King of Kings. We're joint heirs with Him. And He told His disciples that you are my friends. You are my friends. If you obey my commands. So friends tonight, Let's be encouraged about this judgment seat that's coming. Let's be faithful. Let's be thankful. And let's practice, okay? Let's try it. Before we hit 2011, let's practice the presence of Christ. I encourage you and you encourage me tonight to develop that friendship that we ought to have with God. Moses had it. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, O God, and we thank you for your precious Son. O Father, we just acknowledge, O God, that we are so unfaithful, but you are so faithful. As a matter of fact, in Revelation in 19, your name is faithful and true. And O God, we just thank you for that. We thank you for your precious Son. Father, tonight, you know our hearts here tonight. Father, we want to be encouraged by thy word. Is it possible, Father, that this upcoming year perhaps will be the year of the Lord? Or perhaps we won't even get there. And, oh God, we want to be ready, Father. We want to be ready to meet you so that we will not be ashamed at your coming. Oh, Father, prepare our hearts. And we thank you, Father, for blessing us like you have. Help us to have thankful hearts, O oh God. Always thanking you. Always praising you. For you are indeed worthy of that praise. In Jesus' name, amen.